Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me this week, Matt Price. We are without the uh, the godfather, Matt. I know Ryan loves to be called that, so uh, we're going to have to do this thing mano a mano instead of uh, the three of us. That's, that's okay, because I've been working on my Ryan McDowell impression. Are you ready? Here it goes. Uh, I'm ready. ADP, ADP, Productive <laughs> Struggle, uh, Randall Cobb, Lynn Bowden, Juju. Anything for Amari? Does that, does that about cover it? Yeah, I think I think we hit the quota for McDowell for this one. He's going to love good, hearing good. that. Uh, so McDowell's off on assignment. I'm sure he's just studying all these running backs, uh, all these wide receivers, and uh, the rest of the prospects coming into the NFL. Um, Matt, we're going to continue doing our draft prospect primer. We covered those wide receivers last week, and it was a chore to cover as many as, many as we possibly could. This week, it's the running backs, and man, I have a feeling we might have some extra time. We might have to stretch it out because it's it's a little bit top-heavy, and there's a few guys definitely worth worth talking about and and mentioning, guys we might be uh, excited about as second- and third-round picks in our rookie drafts, but for the most part, this thing is awfully top-heavy. Yeah, you know, we have the three that everybody, it seems like everybody has their top three, which seems pretty locked in, and then... After that, it's kind of like people picking their favorites. I certainly have mine. It sounds like you have yours. So um, those, 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 the next kind of tier, I guess, if we want to throw those top three all into one tier, um, you know, the, the next couple after that are, are you know, kind of loosey-goosey, you kind of pick the, the, the traits and the things that you like to see. And, you know, maybe some of them can be like, a, you know, end up being like a lead back in a committee. But I think after those top three, we're looking at mostly committee backs after that. It really feels that way. And before we start getting into all the prospects specifically, Matt, we should talk a little bit about rookie draft strategy, at least position-wise, because it feels like typically these most dynasty managers prefer running backs at the top of a rookie draft, even in a super flex before we get onto those wide receivers after the elite quarterbacks. We typically see those running backs go that that have the upside, and, and that may be the case here. You specifically, do you try to like me look at everything through a through a wide lens and try to try to see things as a in its entirety instead of just forcing yourself to go to the running back because it is so important and they do tend to produce a little bit faster with their NFL career. It really depends on where my team is at and the direction it's taking for the current year. You know, um, it, the thing is, is that even even if you're a strong contender and you have, you know, two or three top, you know, 15 to 20 guys, we've talked about it before. There's really like 20 guys that we feel OK about right now as, you know, being starters on our week to week starters on our fantasy teams. Right. So that really does push up these running backs. Uh, so even if you're in that position, like you're I think you're more likely to to take one of those guys just just in case something happens. Like we saw last season, I had a couple of teams where both McCaffrey and Barkley went down. And before the season started, we were I was feeling pretty good about that team, uh, but they can go down quick. So it does push them up a little bit for me. Uh, you know, if if I'm a team that I know I'm not competing in, in 2021, I'm probably not going to take those running backs uh, unless my my goal is to kind of hope that they produce and then be able to flip them for future assets or wide receivers or whatever. So on those kind of teams, I will put the wide receivers uh, much higher than that. And then, of course, if you have the guys that are just, you know, 
a tier above those running backs, if you want to say that. Guys like I really the only one I can think of in this class is is Jamar Chase, the one that I would put above the top three running backs. You know, I I could make an uh, uh, an argument for Rondale Moore and some of the other guys, uh, but really Chase is the only one that I would take above at least the three running backs in this class for, in, in most situations. Yeah, I think so as well. I, I think there's the top three running backs that we've talked about, and then certainly Chase. And there can be a case made about a couple couple more wide receivers that should be mixed in for sure. And it depends how we feel about each one of these running backs. Let's jump right in because we're, we're once again going to go through these players as April rookie ADP suggests they'll come off the board. So right at the top, the number one player, according to single quarterback ADP, is Najee Harris out of Alabama, Matt. And, you know, he is a thunderbolt and a physical guy and can do a little bit of everything. He, he, man, he'll run you over. I guess that's what I meant by thunderbolt. Um, very physical, but has enough shake uh, at the, you know, when he gets to a defender in the open field, he can shake a guy, not just run him over. Good hands. He was a weapon as a pass catcher in his final season at Alabama and really proved himself that way. So looks to be that three down back, a quick decision maker in the backfield, finishes his runs with uh, with that explanation point like you like, you like to see. Um, very, very cutback heavy and deadly when he gets going downhill. He, he could be run down from behind, I guess, if you want to nitpick a little bit. And maybe he's... He's bigger than than some dynasty managers or some football fans in general might like, but that's all nitpicking. It's hard to find something about Najee Harris that you're that that you're you throw up a big red flag. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's very solid. I'm going to throw some stats out uh, that I got from I think Ray, our buddy Ray Garvin. Um, but before that, before that, real quick, Dan, if it's okay, I'd like to just look just just talk about like what I like to look for at the running back position just to kind of break sure. that down uh, real quick. So I, I definitely have a type at running back and I, I like the kind of the shorter back. So like in the five, eight, five, ten range, 210 to 225, I, I find that those shorter stockier guys can kind of hide behind the offensive line at times. And that low center of gravity makes it easier to get their pad level low. So you can kind of push up and through the defenders that are trying to tackle them. So kind of like those bowling balls with legs, if, if, if you want to want to phrase it that way. And then they're shorter, um, short the shorter nature of them kind of lends themselves to shorter strides, which means they're generally quicker change of direction skills. Um, uh, and then in terms of like the the traits I like to look for, like receiving ability is is almost always number one for me, just because that's where the NFL is. That's how we make our money in PPR leagues. And then uh, vision, you know, I think vision we talk about in kind of loose terms. So for me, how I define it is 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 a, is a player that's going to see the field quickly, kind of like a fast processor that you think of when you're when we're talking about quarterbacks, how they're able to examine the field, go through the progressions quickly, make it a quick decision. And it's similar at the running back position where they can see the field and then quickly decide the best kind of course of action where they're going to go with the ball uh, kind of identify where the defense is moving what you can do to exploit it without giving away your own course of action that kind of thing and then lastly like I really like to see the players kind of press that line of, of, of scrimmage to kind of give the offensive line an opportunity to get upfield and kind of suck in those edge defenders deeper into the backfield before they're able to take off so those are just a few things I'm looking for uh, Dan did you have some before I talk about Najee? Yeah, actually, I'm glad you brought it up because it's something we we should really talk about with each position. I think we did with wide receivers, and I love everything you said. In fact, I I would echo the exact same thing. The one thing I would add to it, and this is a little bit more recently, over in the last three years probably, I've started to notice contact balance a lot more. The guys that can take on a tackler and can keep their momentum going down the field. Not only not only the guys who can break tackles, but also the balance to redirect themselves and get that extra one or two yards near the goal line or for the first down or whatever. It doesn't seem like a lot, but there are guys that that do that every single time they touch the football. And then they do pull out of the tackle from time to time as well and make big plays out of it. And the guy who really changed it for me more than anybody else because I, I overlooked it a little bit was Elvin Kamara. And he did that in college. We saw it regularly in the open field. He would break tackles with limited opportunities there. And I noticed it. I liked it. But I didn't value it highly enough. And now at the next level, he has taken it even to a new level. 
and is is really the most dynamic player when it comes to breaking tackles and and creating extra yardage after contact. So I, I really think I've I've added that to the list, and maybe it's moved up my list into the top three or four things that matters, particularly with these pass catchers that get the ball in space because they can make make lots of things happen in those big burst plays that win fantasy games for us. That they make those things happen. So. Uh, not to not to go off on too much of a tangent that matters to me. Um, you were you were saying on Najee Harris. Yeah, and I agree with you. Kamara is kind of the gold standard on that, and I definitely missed on him. I, I wouldn't say I necessarily missed on him completely, but he wasn't like in my top five in that class, and he kind of right. opened. I think I think most people's eyes to how valuable that contact balance can be. So, um, yeah, we're definitely comparing these guys against against a player like that in terms of that particular trait. So for Najee Harris, uh, I have some numbers here in in twenty twenty. Uh, he was first in tackles avoided after the reception with 20, which is pretty impressive. 13th uh, in, in yards after contact per attempt with 3.26. Second in broken tackles uh, and uh, on explosive runs of 15 carries or more. He actually had 18 on this season with uh, 465 of his total yards coming from those longer runs. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, he has very good power, cutback ability to play in his own blocking system if he's asked to do that. Uh, he's, a, he's a receiving weapon in space and not just that dump off option. You can see him making plays down the field uh, when they do decide to use him that way. Uh, really impressive in terms of footwork, uh, especially stepping over trash at the line. And obviously with his size, 6'2", 230, he can push the pile as well. Um, and, and really good vision, obviously, as well. Uh, ability to find the find the hole and make the decision to get there quickly. Uh, cons for me, uh, there's not a whole lot, like you said. Uh, you know, I guess you could nitpick about him being old. He came out as a senior, already 23, but really no injury history to speak of, right? So, um, and we're only really looking at these guys on their first contract for the most part. So, not really that big of a concern. I don't think he necessarily has elite burst or speed. Um, but it doesn't really matter. He's, he's able to get the job done with what he has, despite those, uh, those, those, uh, inefficiencies in his game. Uh, the number one thing that bugs me the most about him is his hurdling. Like he, he, he wants to be Derrick Henry. I guess we see these big body guys that are really strong, in the upper body, uh, and the tacklers, they want to go low on him because you're not going to tackle guys like Derrick Henry and Najee Harris necessarily up high. So they're going to go low. And then their, their instinct is to hurdle over them, which it's really impressive when it works and it happens, but I just see so many bad possibilities, bad outcomes from from trying to jump over a guy at the NFL level, right? So that drives me nuts. But um, you know, it, it, it does show his athleticism and is impressive when it happens. I just wish he would do it less. Uh, in terms of a fit, you know, I think he could fit anywhere. I mentioned before the cutback ability lets him play in his own blocking scheme, but he can definitely play in a gap power scheme as well. Uh, and then has again that cutback ability to kind of kick runs outside as well. So. Uh, overall, no, no, no big complaints with him. He's not my number one back in this class, but uh, he is number two. So, uh, uh, if you want to take him number one overall, even over like a guy like Jabbar Chase, no problem with that at all. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that either. And you know, you you mentioned Derrick Henry there. That's the comparison that everybody wants to make. You've also hear the Stephen Jackson and. Yeah. Uh, I, I recently talked to somebody who was a big A.J. Dillon fan who thought they're similar. So, you know, was a big fan last year of him coming back, so, coming out. So it's always the big back, the the big-bodied bruiser that goes through the middle and, and makes those big plays after contact that he's going to be compared to. But what you mentioned there that he's used as a weapon in the passing game, that's the differentiating factor here. He can, maybe that is more like Steven Jackson, the guy who can catch the ball and make a big play after after Holland in the pass and and you know I think we're all excited about his upside for sure we're thrilled to see where he ends up we you know the the rumors that maybe Pittsburgh would jump into the position early in the draft and if that was Harris that would be an ideal landing spot there are a few more as well but Harris he he belongs in the top a uh, couple players drafted no doubt a lot of us also have Travis Etienne in our in the at the top of our running back rankings Matt and he comes in number two according to April ADP and ADP of 2.93 overall uh, when it comes to ATN and his upside it's through the rough what are your thoughts on him coming out of Clemson yeah he's he's my number one back in the class but I do think that he is the highest risk reward of these top the exactly. top three like he could definitely bust I could definitely see that happening but I like to I like to play the upside game 
uh, at most positions, including running back. And for me, he's definitely the most explosive running back in the class. I think acceleration is his best trait, just the way he can pull away from from guys in the short area. Uh, we saw, I think, low four, four low four fours in his forty uh, in his pro day. So that all checks out. Uh, I think that we talked about Kamara and his contact balance and how that's important. I think. I think Etienne has the best contact balance in the entire class. Like he absorbs contact and just keeps going, spins off of guys, had takes never really seems to take that 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 giant hit, although we talked about one move he does with that little jump cut that could definitely get him blown up in the NFL before we started recording there. So that's a possibility. But uh he's just been so consistent over the course of his entire collegiate career. Uh against her some numbers here from Ray GQ. Uh, 2018, sixth in yards after contact per attempt, 13th in broken tackles, uh, 32 carries of 15 plus yards for 981 yards in, in, in 2018. In 2019, he was first in yards after contact, first in broken tackles, top 10 in receiving yards, sixth in runs of uh, 15 plus yards, 27 carries for 800 plus yards on those long runs. 2020, we say that he he regressed a little bit, right? That's that's kind of the, the line of thinking, the narrative, so to speak. Uh, but still, sixth in yards after contact per attempt, 43 broken tackles, and still 15 carries of, of more than 15-plus yards. He's not the best in, in pass blocking, not that we necessarily care about that, but I think NFL teams do. Uh, shows effort in pass blocking, although... He could definitely use some work in that regard. We've seen him be able to be used as a receiver out of the backfield. I like to see uh, at least one 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 season of thirty receptions. You know, a couple of of twenty plus receptions is as uh, one of my buddies Zach Reed's kind of line is he wants to see two seasons of twenty plus receptions. And ATN did that: thirty receptions in twenty nineteen, forty four in twenty twenty. I wouldn't say he's the most natural receiver, but when he's used that way, he can get the job done. And then for weaknesses, we talked about it a little bit. Uh, you know, the he's a straight line runner. You know, he, he, that, that, there's no there's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. His agility and footwork, there's not a whole much of, of wiggle or short area lateral agility to his game. So he definitely needs to get into uh, into space where he can he can just take off. But luckily, he doesn't need kind of a runway to get there. He gets up to that top speed so so quickly. Uh, in terms of vis- vision, I know you you and I, I agree to some extent that he slams into that line so much. But to me, that shows a little bit of a willingness to like to actually try to go run inside before he's going to break it outside. Uh, and in terms of finding that cutback lane, he's going to need to be, do a better job of that in the NFL. But getting him into space, uh, whether he's in like a shotgun or, or pistol or spread based system, or using him as a receiver to get him into space, once he's there, like I have no once the ball's in his hands and, and he's past that line of scrimmage, like he's I think he's the biggest home run threat in the, in the class. So for me, that the upside of that, uh, despite the risk uh, of him busting if he can't fix the things that uh, that we consider weaknesses, uh, is enough to put him as running back one for me yeah matt i we talked about it about around a month ago and i talked about my concerns i guess and and that 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 maybe maybe not probability that's probably not the right word but the possibility that he could be that bust player that looks so good on tape and and then transitions to the nfl i've moved him up to one as well okay he, he's back up to one he started there in the off season and i kind of fell in love with javante williams not that i don't like him anymore uh, but for the reasons that you mentioned that ultimate upside we're, we're talking about like top three running back type of upside because of that burst and you talked about the lateral agility not necessarily being uh explosive or or elite in any way but the burst is that that ability to get to full speed when he hits that crease and run through arm tackles because of that acceleration it makes him a dynamic player for sure. The four four one long speed gives him the the ability to pull pull away that pass catching ability, and he really I thought at, in his final year at Clemson really took his passing uh, prowess to the next level. He he looked he caught balls away from his body immediately, got to full speed, and became that like almost like a kick returner looking for that angle and and trying to find that crease to make the big play. So he he took his running ability to the passing game even more in his final season at Clemson you mentioned the contact balance I agree with you it's the best in the class and that's really what separates him from Najee Harris in my opinion the the ability he he just has that knack for pulling his leg through those diving tackles so many times you see those guys have the angle but but not really and the guy dives around the waist or around the ankles or knees and just gets the guy out of bounds or, or, or pulls him down, trips him up. And 
ETN almost never goes down on those. It, it You really have to wrap yeah. him up around the waist to get him on the ground. So you mentioned the jump hesitation move. You see it all the time. Almost every run, it feels like, where he kind of leaps in the air and he's floating for just a second before hitting the ground, stuttering both ways, and juking a guy out of his shoes. And it looks amazing. But I am convinced he's gonna get he's gonna be exploded in the NFL. Somebody's gonna be a little quicker than he expects and knock him out and knock him out of that that jump hesitation move. So that's a little bit scary for me. But again, nitpicking. Etn is an elite player. I can see him going number one in rookie drafts. He's certainly one of the guys that should be considered uh, in that top three. I like that he in today's NFL where we have. You know, where running backs are becoming just as diversified in terms of their skill sets as receivers. I like that he doesn't have to be he doesn't have to be uh, you know get twenty twenty five touches a game to be effective. Like he can have an Alvin Kamara like role if the team sees him that way uh, and be a, a fantasy force. I think so. Uh, that efficiency with with his workload, if they get him in the right situations, uh, is is really attractive to me. Uh, whereas I think Najee and maybe even to another extent Javante Williams, who we're about to talk about, you know they're they're much more of are going to be reliant on on more of a heavy workload. Whereas Etn I think can get it done on on, on less work. For sure. I completely agree. When it comes to landing spot, is there an ideal ideal landing spot for, for ETN? Is it is it San Francisco for you? Because that feels like the place, if he ended up there, he, he could instantly become one of those top six running backs in the league. Oh, absolutely. As long as they, you know, put put Morris out to pasture. But, but like we just said, he doesn't need a, like 100 touches a game to, to be effective, right? So that that would be incredible. I don't necessarily see that. Even like someplace like Atlanta where they have every sure. other piece in place and they just don't have that explosive player in the backfield, that, that seems like a really good fit to me. Yeah, I like that one as well. You mentioned Javante Williams, and and he's a guy who's moved up and down my rankings as well, anywhere from one to three. Right now he settles in at number three and is number three in April rookie ADP among running backs, but at 4.4. So four overall, still a top five pick according to DLF ADP, Matt. And, and Williams is an interesting prospect coming out of USC because he, he didn't have all those – he didn't get all that work in college. He was sharing that workload throughout his career. Um, only ran the 4.5540, so just the 45th percentile there, but had good explosion numbers, 91st percentile with the short shuttle, 4.09 and 22 reps. So a powerful guy, a guy that is seems like a very um, – motivated runner right he he uh he he likes to punish people he likes to run through tackles he's he looks like he's in a hurry to get to the next next spot on the field get that extra yard at the end of his carries vision to find the backfield cut backside cutbacks um another guy with pretty good contact balance he can break some tackles always falls forward i talked about that earlier and then that he's so explosive at the contact point. He's, he's one of those guys, you mentioned the size that you, you like to find. Uh, he's 5'10", 210. So pretty much that ideal size, he can get underneath the pad level, level of the defenders and he likes to do it. He likes to get low, run through a tackler, um, a good but not great pass catcher. So could be a third down contributor. We'll see how that plays out in his career. When it comes to uh, weaknesses though, Matt, he's, He's really a a read, cut, and burst type player. He's not he's not the the slasher or the dynamic um, perimeter runner. Um, he, he's a little bit of a one trick pony when it comes to that. Uh, he, he'll run to his scheme, and it feels like he always runs where the play is is designed to go. Not not necessarily always looking for that cutback or the big play on the outside. That can be a good thing. Can be a bad thing at times when things are created on the on the outside, though, for sure. So Williams coming out of UNC seems like the the like the clear number three running back to me. Closer to number two than he is number five, which makes him a really nice prospect for dynasty managers. Yeah, absolutely. And when I think about Javante Williams, I think of what you mentioned, the the power and the aggression at the point of contact. He's if if you like a running back that's going to initiate contact and just <laughs> just wants to run you over or throw you to the ground, it's Javante Williams, which it, he is so fun to watch, I will say. Uh, right. I just wonder how much that will necessarily translate uh, to the NFL uh, in terms of keeping him healthy. My, you mentioned the, the, the cons. That was one of them for me. Just he's so physical. Is he going to hold up and 
if, if he doesn't, doesn't matter. Um, and a receiving ability, I agree. He's more of a dump off option. He's not going to be a weapon downfield like uh, ETN or Harris or some of the other guys we're going to talk about, right? Um, footwork, I think, is incredible for a guy his size. You mentioned the contact balance. Uh, I really like his pad level. He, he he kind of has this move where he kind of dips that non the the, the the shoulder where he's not carrying the ball at the contact point and uses yep. that to bounce off in this like fluid motion to kind of just throw the guy off, off of him and keep going. Uh, so that's really impressive. He has a nice stiff arm, a uh, really nice spin move, uh, uh, more than more than 20 receptions in his final season. So that, that checks that box. But like I said, not a receiving option necessarily. And then you mentioned the, the contact balance there, I think. I think he's probably third in the class, maybe second, depending on how you feel about Harris in that regard. But uh, definitely a top three three running back in this class, and I would not hesitate to take him, especially in a one-quarterback league. I, he's a top five pick for sure. In a super flex format, maybe you're getting down to the 7-8 range, and you're probably getting a value at that, that spot if a few of these other wide receivers go ahead of him. So uh, – uh, yeah, he's number three with a bullet for me. Yeah, for sure. And you you mentioned he's the the stiff arm and and the ability to shrug off those tacklers with the off football arm. He he might be one of the better in the league with that with that that other arm, yeah. whether it's right or left. He uses it well and and sheds off defenders. He doesn't give that like powerful stiff arm that just just throws a guy to the ground. But he he'll, he'll like fend a guy off for three, four, five, six yards and keep running down the field. And and those are valuable yards both for any football team and a dynasty manager for sure. So he obvious landing spots once again those big big spots is there somewhere specific though that you'd like to see Williams because for me it feels like he just needs the draft capital we need to see him like if he goes in round two no matter where he goes it feels like that's enough for me that that he'll uh he'll hold on to this amount of value and as long as he doesn't slip out of that even if he's a early third round pick that'll be just fine most mostly though we see him in mocks going in round two yeah i mean it's all the the normal spots he feels like a stealer running back but it's yep. you know it's just it's just the, it's just a complete feeling not saying that he's the best fit there harris is probably just as good of a fit there but just because of that punishing running style and the way you think of the steelers running the ball uh historically he just feels like a it just feels like a perfect fit for them in the like you said in the second or third round yeah, you know the Steelers are going to pick somebody in the third round that nobody really likes that much, and <laughs> we'll just be shooting up draft boards. So uh, let's get the, we've spent half of the show pretty much on on the top three names. So we need to start moving through these guys. We want to get through at least eight or ten of these you know big name running backs, the guys that are going to go in day one and day two for sure. And we're, we're going to kick it off according to ADP. It's Kenneth Gainwell out of Memphis. Matt, uh, a speedy guy, four four two forty. Um, also, uh, you know, is known as a as a quick shifty guy, but certainly didn't have the numbers at his his pro day to to say that he's that way. Four four six shuttle in the fourteenth percentile, seven two six three cone in the eighteenth percentile. So he has the vision, and he can bounce off tackles, and and he has has some upside for sure. Um, he, he's a multiple cut type running back, but it's weird that his pro day numbers didn't match up really with what we saw from him at Memphis. Well, I think you have to start with with Gainwell and that he missed the entire 2020 season due to personal issues. He did have four family members die from COVID-19, which I'm sure was not great for his uh, his mental state, right? So you wonder exactly what he did uh, in that year that he missed. It was he only dealing with those personal issues? Was he trying to get uh, into shape for for his pro day and for the NFL draft and that kind of things? And you just don't know. And like you said, the, especially the short shuttle and the three cones, like they were a little bit. Uh, they, they didn't match up with what we saw on tape. Like when you watch him on tape from 2019, you saw that lateral quickness and agility, um, but the, the the numbers didn't didn't work out that way. Uh, one really impressive thing in 2019, I thought, you know, he did have over 2,000 all-purpose yards, and that was with Antonio Gibson there. Uh, he did catch 51 balls that season. That was really the only, really the only true film we have on him. So, what we've seen a year ago or two years ago at this point uh, was impressive, but. What did he do to get ready? And it doesn't seem like he did that much for me. It's all about the receiving ability for Kane, for Kenneth Gainwell. I think he's the best receiver in the class based on what we've seen. You see him go being used down the field, making catches over his shoulder, uh, being split out wide. 
So I, I don't know what is de- definitely like his ultimate upside is in the NFL, but if even even if his floor is something like like a James White or um, I don't know, like a, I'll just say I'll just go with James White. <laughs> uh, but I think he's he's a better athlete than James White, so that's the the best part of him. I do see him as a committee backfield kind of player. I think he could be the lead weapon in in, in a lead back in a committee uh, if they were if if he gets into a very pass heavy offense. Um, but like you said, the numbers were other, other than his weight, which I will say, I think was a bonus. Cause I think we had him at like 190 pounds and he weighed in just over 200, which is a good sign. But if he wasn't doing the work to get ready for the pro diet day is, is, is that muscle or is that just 10 pounds of fat? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but best receiving back in the class. That's really my takeaway with him. I'm happy to take him as, as my, as my fourth running back here, um, based on those things. Uh, but you know, not until we get towards the early second round, I think is, I think after those first three back, you're taking a whole bunch of receivers before you're thinking about Gainwell. And when you get him, you're, you you know what you're going to get in terms of receiving back and probably not a whole lot on the ground. Yeah, and, and the thing is, his ADP right now, and, and obviously this will change with the draft and things like that, 11.5. So in the first round in single quarterback leagues, and there are some some bigger name wide receivers going after him. So I think he's being overdrafted. I have too many – there's too many concerns – for me, he, you know, that tape where we saw the explosiveness and the and the long speed, he was also caught from behind a, a little bit too much. He, he still looked a little bit undersized, and you mentioned the differ, different weigh-in that he had at his pro day coming in right at, right at or just over 200 pounds. That was a positive. He tries to play bigger than he is, it feels like, yeah. which can be a positive and can be a negative. He, he doesn't have the power to run guys over or run through tackles, but he still attempts to, and I think he'd be more successful if he stuck to that agility and tried to get around guys more than more than through them. Um, so there's a few things that kind of kind of throw me off when it comes to uh, Kenneth Gainwell and his ultimate upside in the NFL. That that pushes him down just a few pegs. I have him at number six, um, but certainly this group of running backs from four to maybe even eight or nine or ten, they're all relatively close for me. Um, I would take him at six, though. Let's go on to the next guy, and it, it's Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State, according to ADP. All the way down there, uh, middle of the second round, 18.5, 16 overall, according to ADP. When it comes to Hubbard and his upside transitioning to the next level, Matt, because we're not sure how high he's going to go in the NFL draft. We don't know how these evaluators really see him. Seems like in the dynasty community, there are guys that are really high on him and see him as high as the fourth guy in the class. And there are those of us that are a little bit lower and see him closer to the eight to 10 range. Where do you fall with this running back out of OK State? I'm closer to the eight to 10 range, but it really depends on if you are evaluating him primarily on his 2019 film or his 2020 film sure. <laughs> and his production, because it's like, it just, it just seems night and day, you know, over, over 2000 yards rushing, I believe in, in 2019, a uh, 21 touchdowns. And then in 2020, it just like, everything just seemed changed. Like it changed, you know, in 2019, I saw power and tackle breaking ability and didn't see that as much in 2020. You saw a burst and ability to get up to speed quickly in 2019 didn't really see much of that in 2020 so I really wonder what what happened there I, I I'm certainly not plugged in enough to the college game to understand what what did happen between those years uh, but he's not my type of player he's a taller taller prospect he's got that really upright running style that is, is is prone to getting you knocked around a little bit in the NFL I don't think he's really a very natural receiver uh, catching the ball so uh, he's 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 not he's not my guy yeah, I don't know if he's necessarily my guy, but there there are things to like, and I think you you brushed over him just a little bit. You know, you you, you talked about that that he's got the he's got pretty good vision. He showed that especially in nineteen, like you mentioned, and he seems like a hard worker, a guy that's going to work for extra yardage and and doesn't mind contact, and he's he's committed to getting upfield quickly. He uses all the burst he has. Not that that's elite, or but it's enough to at least be serviceable at the next level if not above average um he's got a little bit of wiggle to shake some tackles and and decent contact balance but he has especially in 2020 like you meant he has a horrible habit of running into tacklers yeah like like he'll hit the second and third level and run towards the safety yeah almost like he's looking for contact but then try to shake the guy at the end like he made a mistake it's weird 
Yeah, it's like he's Javante Williams, except for except for he can't knock the guy over or really bounce off of him. Like he, I just didn't really see him running through very many tackles at all. Sometimes arm tackles brought him down. Like uh, the, the 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 few games I watched in 2019 versus 2020, like it was it was like night and day. So honestly, I don't know how to value him. Uh, and for me, that's why he's down at the bottom. I think I'm at running back eight or nine right now, behind uh, a few other guys. So somebody else is going to get him in your yeah. leagues. Yeah, I, I don't uh, you think mentioned he. He's going to get knocked around. I like the way you put that. It feels like his running style lends to getting knocked backwards and and knocked off his feet too much, and and that's concerning. I just there there is some upside though. So landing spots going to help. He is one of the younger running backs as well, so that that could help potentially. I currently have him at seven in my class. I'm open minded to to the landing spot helping him out and him being a guy that I would consider in the middle of the second round. Although I'm not quite there just yet. Let's move on to the next guy, Matt. Uh, this guy out of Oregon State. It's Jamar Jefferson. He, another another thumper another big guy between the tackles runner um hits the hole with relatively good timing um he he doesn't have a lot of acceleration certainly doesn't have the breakaway speed matt seems to me that jamar jefferson is more of a of like a backup fill-in type running back a guy that could potentially uh, have a little bit of upside as a producer if needed because the starter goes down and and you need somebody to fill in for a few weeks but he doesn't seem like a guy that you're going to build your running game around and and make your full-time running back he's physical he runs he finishes runs so with so much physicality that there at times it's fun to watch him run the football um has a decent cutback but that he's he's a little bit too one dimensional for me, so maybe he's not necessarily my guy either. Yeah, he he's really interesting because he, I don't think he puts together consistent uh, consistent film, if you will. Like he obviously had that huge game, I think, against Oregon, right, two hundred and something yards and a couple of touchdowns, where just it seemed almost every run was like something you could put on a highlight without real white. Right, but then against other games, like it just he never really got going. So. Uh, I don't know. That consistency is worrisome to me. He did have 25 receptions as a freshman, but then in nine games as a sophomore, only nine receptions. And then obviously in, in the shortened season in 2020, nine receptions in six games. So I'm not really 100% sure about his receiving ability. I don't really see him you know, being used downfield in that regard. Uh, if he is, it's probably going to be a dump-off option. I do think he has some nice short area bursts, nowhere in the neighborhood of of guys like Travis Etienne. Uh, his, his cutting ability is pretty good. He's able to make piece, people miss in the open open field. Um, you know, okay contact balance, and he does he does show some power at the, when he's finishing runs and ability to kind of fall forward for yards and kind of run through a guy at the end of a at the end of a run. Uh, and in the backfield, you know, I think he shows some patience and letting his blocks develop. Uh, but again, kind of like Hubbard, just super upright runner. Like, and, and for me, even more of a concern in terms of getting a big hit in the NFL because he doesn't get his pads low at all. It, it seems like he doesn't even make an make an effort to like kind of brace when the hit comes in, right? And be, to be able to explode through it. So I agree with you. I think he's going to put up some some fun plays. He's fun to watch, uh, but I don't think he's going to be a big part of any NFL offense, at least from the get go. We'll see what his draft capital brings. He he could be one of the guys that surprises on day two. I kind of see him as more of a day three guy. I have him at nine right now mixed in with a bunch of other guys right around there. Um, he's he's going in the second round in rookie ADP, 18.8, 17 overall. That's, that's a hard pass for me. How about Michael Carter out of UNC, Matt? Because he's, he's another one of these guys that can be ranked anywhere from four all the way down to eight or so, and it depends how you feel about what he put on tape at UNC. Ran a ran a four five forty um, six eight one three cone, which is in the ninetieth percentile, and a sub four second yeah. short shuttle, ninety eight percentile. There, uh, that doesn't always show up crisp, crystal clear on film. But it does at times. I, I, I hope it translates. Maybe I don't know if it's coaching or usage or, or what it is with him. He is he's an excellent perimeter runner though. And he has the quickness and the change of direction ability to even take his game to the next level potentially. Maybe even be more dynamic as a as a big playmaker. He didn't always show that at UNC. That's probably what I meant uh, when when I said that that didn't always translate um onto onto the film onto his college film 
he he does a few things really well. I mentioned that perimeter running. He cuts off blocks well, so he's able to set up those pull guards uh, when he's running on the perimeter. And he hits the running lane downhill. Also a pretty good pass catcher, but... But, you know, really, although he has that quickness and that lateral agility, he doesn't have all the long speed that you like to see combined together. And there just weren't enough of those big play, big plays that he made in college. You expect to see it. He can shake a guy. He can get to the perimeter quickly, but he'll get caught from behind or take a take a poor angle on a run or something like that and get caught. Um, it, it, it's a little bit maddening. He's still, even with all these negatives, I have him at number four in the class because I think he, he, he could be a better pro than college back. And I see the potential, like, like you said at the beginning with Travis Etienne, you like to hit the home run. I think there's a potential for a home run with Michael Carter that doesn't necessarily exist with the rest of this tier of running backs. Yeah, he's in that second tier for me with a with a group of other guys, including Gainwell. I have him just behind Gainville at five in this class, uh, and I like to see that he had three 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 straight seasons over twenty receptions. So we know he can catch the ball. And like you said, when I think about Carter, I think about uh, short area quickness uh, and and burst and being able to make people miss in the open field with just his footwork. You mentioned the short shuttle, the three three nine eight short shuttle would have been second best at the twenty twenty combine, uh, and then the three cone uh, was really impressive too. I, I really really like free cone as a stat for running back 6.81 would have been fourth best in the 2020 uh, at the 2020 combine uh, long speed like you said very average uh, you know mid four fives you would think that based on his size he would be have a little bit more juice than that a, 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 in the long speed game uh, and then he's just not a he's not a he's definitely not a power runner right I don't really see much physicality or anything to his game so because of the size and, and, and that lack of power and physicality you know you have to wonder about his workload at the next level um, and honestly, he remind. I think I said this last week, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that has said this, but he looks. He kind of reminds me of prime, uh, prime Giovanni Bernard when when Bernard first came out, the first season or two before we got into the Jeremy Hill experiment, and then Joe Mixon came in. You know, Gio was a was was a nice little back. He did a lot of things well, and I think that Carter profiles that same way. I think. Uh, 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 Greg Cosell was reading a little bit of his evaluation of him, and he kind of compared him to uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but with, with with better speed. But I don't know if I necessarily certainly that necessarily, sounds that sounds pretty good, man. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but he also mentioned that the best fit would be in a very pass-heavy shotgun-based offense. And since Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is already in Kansas City, like where who's who's going to be able to use Carter? You know, I, again, I think he's going to be a third down back, uh, and in PPR leagues that has value. So you know, I would much rather spend a, a middle second round pick if I needed a, a one of those kind of backs on my roster on, on Carter than I would be on someone like Chuba Hubbard. Yeah, for sure. And that's why I have him at number four in the class among running backs. He falls into that that size that you talked about at the beginning, 5'8", 200 pounds. Um, there is the concern for sure that he's just going to be a pass catcher and only going to be the guy that comes on the field on third third and long when they when they need to make a play in the passing game. Uh, we'll see if, if all those skills translate. Like I said before, I think there's the, the potential that he wasn't fully unlocked in college. I think he showed enough in spurts or from time to time to think that, that he could, uh, take his game to the next level. Once he gets into an NFL offense, I really hope to see second day draft capital with him. And if he gets a landing spot that that's connected to a good quarterback and especially a good play caller that will use him uh, and get him into space like he needs. He could, he could be a surpriser in this class and currently in the middle uh, towards the end of the second round at 18 overall 19.2 last guy that we really need to touch on because there's going to be fans out there, Matt, that really like Trey Sermon because of what he did in the NCAA playoffs out of Ohio state, six foot two fifteen, just a four, five, seven, 40-yard dash, but 37 reps on the bench. Also had some nice explosive numbers uh, at his pro day, 125-inch broad jump. Um, also had an 87th percentile three-cone and a uh, the longest arms of any running back ever, I guess, almost 33-and-a-half-inch <laughs> arms. That's pretty impressive. Uh, when it comes to Trey Sermon, if you only watched him, Matt, in the postseason, you think he, you'd think he's a, he's a top 25 pick in the NFL draft. If you watch his whole career, though, there are some red flags. Yeah, and I have him, I think, 
seven. And uh, I mean, it, it, listen, I, I respect Matt Waldman more than pretty much anybody in terms of film watching, and he has him as his running back one. So uh, I could be completely wrong here. I think I'll, if that's the case, I think a lot of us in this industry are going to be very wrong on Trey Sermon. But to me, he's just he's one of these backs that are pretty good at everything and not not really bad at anything but he doesn't really have a calling card right like uh i think he's a one cut and get up the field kind of back uh if he ends up in a in a, in a gap scheme at the next level i think he could be successful very good compact contact balance and play strength and finishing ability you do see him run through uh absorb or bounce off defenders to pick up extra yards so he does have some physicality to his game as well uh receiving production is you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't I can't make a good evaluation there. But in terms of the numbers that he has, you know, uh, in 2020, 12 receptions in eight games like that. That's not not what we're looking for in 2019, eight receptions in 10 games. Uh, very average speed, I think, for uh, someone his size. Uh, he does have an injury history as well. A knee injury. Uh, was it a, a collarbone or a clavicle or something that he that he hurt in the national title game and missed most of that game? Right. So uh, I don't know. I, I don't really know how to feel about him. He's kind of in limbo for me be, until we see what his draft capital is going to look like if he goes higher than than I think he will then he could easily shoot up into the top five I think uh, but for me he's he's kind of like a he's got, he's got like a Jordan Howard kind of bruising run style and he can get the tough yards but he's not going to give you too many big plays uh, so for me he's just kind of a I don't know just kind of a middle of the road back that can definitely get the job done but isn't going to provide you with any kind of exciting plays and maybe not necessarily big fantasy numbers. I really like how you put it there, Matt, that, that he does a lot of things well, pretty good, you know, he's above average, and nothing as a calling card, nothing that he can stand on and say, look what I do, look what look what I do that nobody else can do in this class. There isn't one of those things. And because he's probably above average to good in so many categories, I might have him ranked at his upside. I have him at five right behind Michael Carter, right in front of Kenneth Gainwell. And it's because of that, it's really, I didn't get sucked in to what he did in the postseason, but I watched those games. I watched uh, late season Ohio State a lot, and I walked away impressed. I loved what you said there. If he ends up in that gap running system, that's an ideal place for him, right? Because uh, he has great size, six foot 215. He has enough speed uh, as well. So there is the upside to be a full-time runner, but... He has inconsistent effort and he misses some cutback opportunities and he he you know he doesn't always run behind his pads although he has proven he can do that when he when he is the that motivated runner that we saw in the in the postseason. He's also um a little bit indecisive at times. Seems like he wants to hesitate in the backfield instead of blasting through that running lane. That didn't show up as much uh, through that postseason run and late in Ohio State season. So certainly a Jekyll and Hyde running back, a guy that has upside and could be that top five running back that you mentioned, and I have him priced there right now. Um, but right now he's going at the end of the second round. That seems like a value to me. I'm willing to invest at that point. We could see draft capital that shoots him up this list, though. Yeah, I'd rather have him. I, I, we're going to keep going back to Chuba Hubbard. I'd rather have him than Chuba Hubbard. Okay, because <laughs> I know what Great. we're going to. I know what we're going to get from him if he goes. You're setting again, kind of a low bar there, man. It, it, it is, but I mean, that, considering this, this this running back class, I think it, right. You know, uh, I just like 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 I said, the gap scheme. If he knows exactly where the play is going to go and where he's supposed to be, I think he'll be fine. He'll be productive in the NFL. But if he ends up in a place where he's got to make a, a lot of his own decisions, uh, I question his ability to produce fantasy numbers in that situation. So we've gone through those top three running backs of, of Harris, ETN and Javante Williams. Now we've covered probably most of that next tier with, you know, every ranker that you talk to, everybody that watches these guys and watches a lot of film might sprinkle in a couple names along with these guys. So let's get to those guys, Matt. If there's one guy of the Kylan Hills and Ramonde Drace, Stevenson, uh, Khalil Herbert, and JVN Hawkins. If there's just one of them that you need to get in here, who's that guy and why? There's two I feel like I have to get in here, but I'll We'll I'll, get to them, Matt. Okay. All right. <laughs> my my number one here, and I somebody I could see moving up to like running buck. I don't think anybody can crack the top three unless, you know, for some reason everybody passes on those top three guys. But the one the one for me if I had to pick was Khalil Herbert. And I, I just 
I just love watching this guy. He's he's this thick, punishing back. He runs over defenders regularly. I think he's got deceptive short area burst and acceleration. Uh, you know, not a super fast guy, but he's got enough speed to get to the corner. Um, uh, and he's so decisive. Like as soon as he as, as soon as he sees where to go, no matter how small the crease is, he just he just he just goes. Uh, one 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 play I wanted to point out against North Carolina. Uh, there's this he lets he lets these blocks develop and then sees this tiny little cutback back uh, crease and then takes it 52 yards for a touchdown. So like once he knows where to go, he's 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 through that hole in a in a in a, in a blink basically. Uh, you see him consistently break tackles in the open field with with power not necessarily going to be a finesse runner uh and his ball security is through the roof one fumble and 527 career touches uh you don't really know at least i don't really know about his uh, receiving ability in terms of if he's going to be used that way in the nfl uh but it did see him catch it out and away from his body multiple times uh, but still at a career high of 10 receptions in 2020 so it's hard to say if he can't do it or if just it's just not the way that uh, he was used in that offense. So I like him a lot. And if he lands in a good spot with good, with good draft capital, I think he's one of the guys outside of the top three that could be uh, a primary back, and you know, probably still in a committee because that's the way the NFL is these days, especially with guys who are going to have lower draft capital, right? But if there is one of these guys outside of the top three that has the potential to be that, I think it, it, it might be Herbert. Yeah, you, you you saw them in the shotgun all the time. They're yeah. one of those college teams for sure. And and he'd he'd run those like zone blocking handoffs where where he presses the outside and finds that cutback lane. And he if there's one thing that because I saw a lot of what you said there, Matt, he he presses the line of scrimmage and then you want that like elite burst. And he was always like stiff arming behind him a little bit because mm-hmm. those defensive linemen were following through the hole and he didn't have the explosion to, to beat him through the hole in college against teams like San Jose State. I think I watched that one. And, and so I, I question a little bit if he has enough burst to to really be a full-time player at the next level there are things to like for sure a lot of what you said he he's a confident runner for sure he hit he's he's not going to be um a shake guy in the open field and and create space for himself doing that but if you're if you're looking for a a a, a back with good size um that compact uh body that we, we you talked about at the beginning he uh he he's He's got some skills as a as a cutback guy who who can find the find the hole on the backside and get what's blocked. Maybe a little bit more because of his uh, that stiff arm and and his ability to uh, to to really not waste any motion yeah. at the contact point. Um, if there's a guy for me, Matt, and I'm gonna dig quite a bit deeper. And I should mention with Khalil Herbert. He's all the way at the end of the third round or the beginning of the fourth round. So we are trying to dig deep a little bit here. Herbert, 36.4, 37 overall. So you can get him at the top of the fourth round. We're trying to uncover some values, some guys to watch on draft day. I'm going to go even farther, 42.5, 41 overall. It's Demetric Felton from UCLA, Matt. And he is a guy, you mention it all the time. You are, if if, if Ryan is the ADP guy and the productive struggle guy, you're the, you're the pass-catching runner that yeah. guy right Matt because because it matters and Demetric Felton is that guy he's a pass catching running back he even has slot potential that jet sweep jet motion type running back that can uh, move around the formation he's a rack monster if he gets in the right offense um, he's like the energizer bunny going full speed all the time looks uh, natural running routes I don't know if he can run the ball between the tackles at all at the next level but he is a pass catcher. He's a little bit raw. Um, he he drops a couple passes, and and there's certainly um, some things that could probably be cleaned up with his route running. But he is a, already a good route runner. His Senior Bowl was excellent. I watched it so many times because he feels like, and we're Packer fans, Matt, and we, we so so we're looking for that that playmaker in the offense, that guy that can run that jet sweep and stuff like that. And Felton seems like that guy. If he gets, gets on the right team, gets a little bit of draft capital. I think that this guy who we're talking about in the middle of the fourth round could move up. Yeah. And I, I certainly have not uh, watched enough of Felton to have a strong opinion about him. But what I, what I did see is, is basically what you said. Like if there's, if there's a running back in this class that could be used, 
you know, kind of like a slot receiver other other than say Gainwell or, or Carter, it's it's this guy, right? Uh, ability to run those routes, like you said, uh, and lateral quickness and, and acceleration for days and agility, all that kind of stuff that we like to see in these kind of backs. Um, so yeah, like if you for if, if you're in the second round and you don't want to spend a pick on Michael Carter, uh, you know, wait wait around and you can get a similar kind of prospect a little bit later. Yeah, he's just a guy I'm keeping a real close eye on on draft weekend for sure. Matt, you mentioned there was one more guy that you you really wanted to talk about. I'm guessing it's Kylan Hill. Yeah, we disagreed on this a little bit. Uh, To me... you know, he has the size to be a, a, a between the tackles guy, but his real standout ability again is in the receiving game. Two seasons of 20 plus receptions. Uh, one of those, which was re- really odd to see, he played only played three games in 2020, uh, but he had 23 reception, which was a career high, <laughs> which is a little bit weird. But he had 15 of them against uh, Kentucky, I believe, and eight against LSU, something like that. And if you want to go watch some of the plays of this guy like, catching the ball, like he's he, he looks like a receiver out there on the sidelines and in the middle of the field uh against uh, La Tech uh, you know not the highest level of competition I understand that but out of the backfield he caught this over the shoulder throw out and away from his body against two defenders for a touchdown looked like a wide receiver doing it uh again level of competition A.B. Christensen (laughs) he ripped through the middle little part of the field and that seam and kind of looks back over his shoulder and is able to adjust the ball to catch it behind him while while keeping his speed and running away from uh defenders and then against against Kentucky this like leaping body control catch at the sideline which he he, he plays like a wide receiver out there um in, in as a runner I, I think he has fine play strength and power i think the contact balance is definitely a plus out attribute for him uh you can see him absorbing and running through contact to pick up extra yards he just to me he feels like a natural runner that kind of knows when to make that first cut uh and for his size at 511 210 you know i think he has his pretty good agility and elusiveness and he has a nice stiff arm as well but one thing just like Najee harris that i wish he would stop doing is trying to jump over over guys uh, very impressive to see but i just worry about his ability to stay healthy if he's going to do that regularly uh in the nfl but i think you saw a little bit a little bit different with kylan hill yeah i, I might have given up on him a little bit too early and, and that might be because of the 2020 versus 2019 tape um everything i've i've read those that are are big fans of him it, say watch 2019 tape watch him before I think Mike Leach was there. Yeah. Uh, now, and and you know, in that different offense, he's he's a little bit more dynamic. He doesn't. I don't see him as a instinctive running back, a guy that sees the back hill cut or the backside cut and and hits it with authority. He doesn't have another guy. And maybe I'm I'm over uh, overvaluing that burst. That it, if you can't do it in college, if you can't burst through the hole and without getting caught from behind from defensive end unblocked defensive ends and runs up the middle you're not going to do it in the, in the NFL at the next level and he's another guy uh just like Khalil Herbert in my opinion that that doesn't have that get up and go immediately yeah. at the line of scrimmage to to really burst through the hole now in the right uh blocking system with the right offensive line that doesn't matter quite as much but it feels to me and and again I'm, I'm gonna do a little bit more work on him he he doesn't have those instincts to be a true power back at the next level that that can be the lead back uh, but he does have some of the some of the positives some of the strengths that that he's violent you know he's a downhill runner he's a he's a he wants to hit people and, and get physical with people and that's that's fun to watch um, he can slip some tackles and he's, uh, he, he, um, he does have the stiff arm. Like you mentioned, uh, I'm, I'm going to do a little bit more work on him because he, if you like him, that probably means I should at least a little more than I do. He's just, to me, such an interesting prospect. He's like, uh, I mean, he's not a gigantic back. He's not like Najee Harris size, but at, you know, five eleven two ten, he's almost like, uh, like you said, a downhill kind of wants to be a power back, but has receiving ability of, of a wide receiver I think he can absolutely be be split outside or used in the slot at least at, at, at the very least so uh just very weird prospect like you he wants to be that, that aggressive he wants to be that punishing runner like Javante Williams but then he has this receiving game to go with it maybe not necessarily the instincts that that Williams have so I'm just interested in to see where he goes in the NFL draft and if he gets any capital at all yeah, and as you as we said, we're talking about third round running backs, guys that aren't valued in the top five or six at the position, and and not valued in the top twenty four uh, overall. So Kylan Hill, 
Uh, 30.4, 29 overall. You can get him in the middle of the third round right now. We'll see where he goes in the NFL draft. Matt, we did it without uh, without Ryan this week. Hopefully Ryan will be back next week. We're going to start diving into the rest of the positions. We got to talk tight ends. We got to talk quarterbacks still. All you super flex fans uh, will get to these pass, pass throwers, I guess, uh, and, and start talking, digging into these guys uh, real deeply as well. Matt, anything to add before we get out of here? Uh, you know, draft wide, draft, draft the top three running backs and then draft wide receivers. That's, that's my takeaway so far through this process. It really does feel that way. And we'll get to the tight ends and, and quarterbacks, like, like I mentioned, but it feels like, uh, it's, it's going to be a few running backs and just, a just a load of wide receivers. (laughs) We're going to continue calling, calling wide receivers in our rookie draft. So for Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF dynasty podcast. We'll catch you again next week.